Hi, and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. This episode, we're talking with Ricardo Baez Yates. This episode was recorded on the 27th of July, 2020. Ricardo and I talk about responsible AI, the importance of AI governance, questioning the intent of creating AGI, robot rights and brain neural rights, ethical risk assessments, machine ethics, making ethical choices on behalf of your users, binary notions of trust, stupid uses of AI, and much, much more. I have to apologize, all my equipment kind of broke on me for this episode. So we did a recording in a cafe in Bristol, uh, one of my first face-to-face recordings for a very long time. So that's very exciting for me and hopefully it'll be interesting and fun for you too. Because of that fact, we recorded straight into my computer and we have quite a lot of background noise. Really sorry, we're going to try and fix the issues and come up with better audio next time. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go to machine-ethics.net or contact us at hello at machine-ethics.net. You can follow us on Twitter at machine underscore ethics, Instagram machine ethics podcast. And if you can, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks very much for your time and hope you enjoy. Hello, thank you for joining us on the podcast. If you could like introduce us um, to who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you, Ben, for the invitation. I'm Ricardo Baez-Ajates. I'm Director of Research of the Experiential AI Institute of Northeastern University. I'm working on building a research team inside the Institute and also in charge of two different research lines. One is on the new ways of searching and understanding language and also responsible AI, which is my main interest today. Uh, awesome. So. The question we always ask first on the podcast is a general one. Ricardo, what is AI? Uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I think AI is different for every person. I would say that the standard definition is uh, trying to, to mimic uh, the human brain. Uh, but I think that's a, a definition that is a bit uh, naive in the sense that... Uh, computers are, are not like us. So maybe it's really artificial in the sense that it's different, but it still is not that artificial that, for example, doesn't use uh, resources that are important to us. Do you think, given that definition, we are we're still using that, like the, the brain analogy, or are we... Because um, it feels like to me that, that that's very far away from, you know, decision trees and uh, yes. you know some some other kinds of algorithms and then you might be alluding more closely to neural networks and things like that which are analogous to maybe how the brain works but not exactly do you think there's a, a disconnect there or we're just using our tools now that we have and they're good enough sort of thing that they're not like the brain almost yeah. well the main tool today is deep learning which is more related to the, the brain because it uses neural nets. But I would say, um, I would say that most people still think in AGI, mm. so like general intelligence. So they're thinking in trying to emulate uh, the human brain. But I would say that it's a group of people, and I guess I will count as one of them, that believe that we should work on, on a complement, complementary intelligence. So, so let's define a different intelligence that basically is everything that we don't do well, 
that computers can do well. For example, memory, uh, speed, brute force, uh, but not really trying to to be as smart as us. Because that mm. also has some other dangers if you do that. I'm smiling. I feel like uh, we could get into that in a bit. Um, I wanted to first look at what your definition of uh, responsible AI, as you, you said, that's um, close to your heart at the moment. Um, what kinds of things are you doing and talking about in that in that area? Yeah, so, so we use the term responsible AI, which is not the best possible, but we haven't found something better because we don't want to humanize AI. So we don't want to talk about ethical AI because that uh, ethics is a human uh, trait. The same with, uh, say, trust. So I don't like trustworthy AI because that's also something that is uh, human. In addition, when you use trustworthy AI, you are putting the burden in the user. So basically you are saying you should trust instead of someone being accountable or responsible of what you are doing. Mm. So that's why we use responsible AI as the main term. Yeah, so it's responsibility of whoever's making it rather than the AI itself. <coughs> yes, but not yeah. necessarily who is making it because maybe uh, this is being sell, sold by a different company. Mm -hmm. I think it should be like any other product. The people that is uh, making money with that should be the persons accountable and they should take care about the risks uh, behind the product. Yeah. So, so today, things that we are doing, we are working with uh, large companies like uh, telcos and and fintech on 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 the governance of responsible AI. So how do you uh, do that at the company level, such that any uh, machine learning model that that comes out from a company, it, it makes a simple, basic questions that you should make, like uh, it's a legitimate application, did we have the right competence, did we, did we have the right to take the decision, uh, and so on. And then you go, can go to things like transparency, explainability, uh, privacy, security, and so on. Like that. Like I have 32 different properties of software that you can apply. Right, okay. And then and you guide those companies through that process, and and then you kind of, can. do you just leave them with a process that you can get on with, or is it... So, so we, in our model, we have first we do like a course of action that that will include designing the AI ethics principles for the company. So they are tailored to what they are doing, mm -hmm. and then we have not only the governance, but but also we can help them with doing audits on uh, the technical and the social side of of, of their products, and also we do the training because uh, because the governance alone is. It's interesting, but if you don't teach the people how, what it means and how you do it, uh, things stay the same. So you need change from people to to make it to make the software responsible. Yeah, yeah. So, say upskilling, governance. Yeah, uh, uh, and presumably there's buy-in from the C-suite, the company in the first place. Yeah, at the yeah. upskilling has several different levels. So, yeah. for example, is at the employee level, that the, for example, there's the developers, mm -hmm. but also you need one for the managers that will basically uh, run the governance. But also you need one at the C level uh, to understand how important this, this this is in the future. In some sense, I see this like uh, as uh, organic food. Like, like will be a marketing tool too. Like you are, you are being, you are responsible about what you do.
Yeah. There are many examples where the companies have been responsible. Yeah, and it's almost like you're not saying that this is foolproof. It's it's you are doing the best thing you possibly can to make this uh, uh, the best that we can make it for people, right? Yeah, it's not foolproof, but I think it's like bias and discrimination. 80% of the problem is awareness. Right. So if you have the right awareness, you start thinking differently. So for example, if you know the questions that you need to ask, you cannot say, oh, I didn't know. No, you, you, you knew it and you didn't do them. But, I, uh, but there are some set of principles that companies have to also, even if they don't have principles, there are principles like coming from UNESCO, from the OCDE, from ACM, from IEEE, that they can adopt, including the code of conduct that, that still exists, have existed for a long time and they are not being adopted. So the problem is not lack of rules, it's lack of adoption. Right. I think um, I could push back a little bit because sometimes it's hard to appreciate what you're supposed to do with um, let's say quite fuzzy language or like uh, uh, language that could be um, interpreted in different ways so if you're going to just look at the OECD principles for example um, I think they're really good uh, but they don't necessarily tell you what you should be doing they, t they tell you what um, you should be thinking about I guess uh, you know you should be thinking about people on planet you should be thinking about uh, privacy and robustness you know and then you have to interpret these things into your work right I, I agree yeah. that, that's why we think that the most important part is the governance yeah so how you take these uh, principles these rules these ideas and you put it into practice because it's harder than than, than what most people think yeah so I agree with that so that's what exactly what we're working today with uh, several companies yeah Great, awesome. And um, the, if we go back to what you were saying earlier about the kind of uh, general um, artificial intelligence, so AGI stuff, mm -hmm. um, is that something that you think is realistic that we should be chasing or um, something that you have thought about a lot? Or is it something that almost you feel like we should be, you know, putting, putting away I, I don't think too much on that because yep. I, I, I'm I kind of uh, very skeptic about that. Yep. Uh, and then I don't want to waste my, my time on, on that. <laughs> but I will say that, that let's say you can have something smarter than us. Let's assume that that's mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. My first question will be why you want to do that, right? I mean, like, why you want to do create to play God and create something better than us? The first problem is that why should be better than us if we are making them, right? right <laughs> like yeah. We are not God, right? But then if that happens, uh, and if you see the state of uh, the Earth, uh, it maybe it seems like a joke, but I would say if I'm a smart being, I say, okay, what is happening in the Earth? Okay, what are the largest parasites in the Earth? These are us. So. Uh, like we have a good reason to basically wipe out the planet of, of, of the parasites. Right? Mm. So it's really dangerous in the sense that, that intelligence can take a dimension that, that we don't know. For example, maybe there's another intelligence we can define that is related to what computers can do. And, and there I think it's more interesting to work on, on something that complements us. I think we should work on, on, on companions 
rather than competitors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're, we're talking about things that will hopefully make our lives better, uh, make help us make better decisions. Yes, for example, yeah. help us to to realize our biases and our ethics, uh, and also what other people is trying to do to us, like uh, if they're trying to manipulate us or if they treat us badly and we didn't notice, or there was subtlety that that basically you can uh, realize uh, during your day. So, so there are so many things that, that computers do much better than us, like uh, for example, remembering things, doing things very fast, doing things that a lot, need a lot of physical effort if you have the right robots. But for example, we have this uh, bias of trying to make robots with our shape. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, why we don't have uh, spiders that are, work very easily and they can do things that we cannot do? Yeah. So I think we have this um, this bias of humanizing things that, that don't need to be human. Mm -hmm. And then, please don't get on, on, on robot rights and other things that are, <laughs> are even more crazy, because why we want that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially if they're in service of us, then... Yeah, in some sense, if we are creating something to help us, why we want to give them the same rights of us? Yeah. It's another contradiction for me. It's like, that is, I don't think it would be intelligent. Right. <laughs> for us. For us, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like... Yeah. Um, I, I think, because we've had, we, we've had other people on the podcast who have said the reverse, um, but I think most of their argument as far as I can paraphrase, and probably badly, is around um, how those rights aren't equal rights. You know, we're not going to turn them into equal beings in, you know, being able to have property and being able to have, you know, all sorts of different rights that they don't need, essentially. But the conversation around rights is useful because then we can imagine you know the kinds of things that might be useful and almost make them into entities which we can apply things to a bit like uh, corporate structures you know you or can, animals or animals you can give them you can we are animals too give them things we so that, that you know they can be respected in different ways you know um so that uh, and it might be you give them tax or you might give you know what i mean you can attach things to them in a way which is uh legally defined rather than yeah, but, but for example uh, i shouldn't take an axe and uh, start destroying this table you shouldn't you but you, you could yeah, yeah but <laughs> in some sense we have this respect already in our society yes yeah uh, so we are respecting the property of others right yep. Yeah. So why we need extra is like also another topic that's very controversial for me is, is a brain rights. Brain rights. Or yeah. 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 Like uh, like the neuro rights. Okay. Could you explain? Oh, there's some people in in the U.S. and, and somewhere that that think that that human rights are not enough and you need to have neural rights, uh, basically protect your brain to be manipulated or things that like Neuralink and other things are trying to ah, to right. directly interface with the with the brain yeah but if you know a little bit of neuroscience uh, the brain cannot live without the body and I don't believe we are humans without the body too so the yeah. technically the brain was uh, evolved mm. to basically manage the body and thinking and there's a very interesting book by Lisa Feldman Barrow about that, that has one of the lessons is thinking is a side effect of being very efficient on, on survival, 
and then we have free time to do something else. Mm. So the brain was not made to think, was made to manage our body, to, to basically do the basic things like eating, mm. uh, breathing, yeah, yeah. Uh, reproducing. Yeah. But, but, but then thinking is just a side effect, so, and that's why some animals are, are going to that to that stage too, like like uh, maybe octopus, uh, dolphins, and and uh, what apes. Yeah. Other animals are also having some free time to think, but thinking is not part of uh, the evolution in some sense. This is the current theory. Uh -huh. uh, that's that's it's, it's really interesting, um, and and because of that, um, they're worried about the manipulation of of the brain itself specifically yes yeah um, and using technology Neuralink uh, things like this to implant things and because it's, di it's difficult for me because you can almost already manipulate people anyway yes so well, it's already happened yeah it's a different type of manipulation yeah and also in the future there will be I would say brain interfaces that are less uh, less in invasive mm -hmm. so maybe you ask me to put a, a like a, I don't know a helmet yep. with some connections and then you could try to do some manipulation yep. but but I would say that human rights are are already taking account that because basically uh, respecting people uh, people's autonomy mm -hmm. which is one of the main values of AI ethics mm -hmm. so one of the three main values autonomy uh, I think it's already covered but because if, if you if you want to do that with the, the brain, yeah. why we don't do that with other parts of our body? <laughs> yeah, 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 we could. Yeah, completely it's nonsense for me. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. but there are very important people and biologists that that are pushing on neural rights. Yeah, um, it, it would be nice to hear more about um, how, like, a case study to to how you have done some of this uh, AI ethics or let's say responsible AI stuff in a company. Um, is there anything else that you can tell us about how that works? And it's sort of interesting to me also that there are outcomes because it's very difficult to kind of sell this stuff in in the first place and then have KPIs around it. You know, that's a very difficult kind of business proposition um, other than the risk thing, right? Um, yeah, let, let me... Maybe let me give you some examples on on, mm. on the different steps. For example, one of the main ones before doing an application is is uh, the ethics risk assessment. So the, the, what are the pros and cons of having this this product? And I'm sure you have heard about the the trolley problem, which is completely theoretical. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> but let me give you a real uh, AI ethics problem that we haven't. It's not solved yet, mm -hmm. and, and exposes the the conflicts of, of ethics because ethics is about conflict. Otherwise, we don't have any problem. So, like ethics yeah. is about conflicting between good and bad, and then what is the right choice in in the spectrum of good and bad. Mm -hmm. So, we we all know that that self-driving cars will will kill less people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this is for sure. We we don't need. We can argue how much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like one tenth, one hundred. But let's say, let's say you can save ninety-five uh, percent of the people. Okay. Mm -hmm. The problem that the people that will die is not a subset of the people that that uh, we're saving. Not a, not a 
proper subset. So we will save maybe 5% of the people, sorry, we will kill uh, still the 5% of the, that we didn't save. But we also will kill other people that before were never in, in danger. Mm. So for example, you know that mothers um, expect people to react in some certain ways. For example, uh, old people react too slow, mm -hmm. kids react too fast, and sometimes also people do things that they shouldn't do, like the woman in Arizona in 2018 that, that crossed in a bicycle at night in, a, in, in not in the proper location. But then we will kill some people that, that before were not in danger. Mm -hmm. And here we have the dilemma. And those, that people probably will be vulnerable people, like very old, very young, uh, maybe other disadvantages or other disabilities. Mm -hmm. So the question is, okay, we will save 900 and, say 950 people, but we will kill 50 people that before were not in danger, yeah. and people that are particularly vulnerable. And the other 950 people, maybe most of them were men driving fast, which is, yeah, which yeah, is, yeah, which yeah, is the intention was was yeah. like they, are, they were risking their but they, life. But they, uh, you know, they are problems for everyone else on the road, right? Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. So so or or, or maybe the, the person that killed them. Yeah. Was like that. So yeah. so this is a real dilemma. So maybe different cultures will say, okay, we shouldn't kill any vulnerable people. Mm. Uh, uh, for example, in India, you cannot kill a cow, so mm. <laughs> and then you, you don't use them. Or maybe cars will have different. Um, I have a friend that talks about Buddhist cars that really go very slow but don't kill anyone. Yeah. And you have uh, Kantian, Kantian cars, like yeah. German cars, that they they want to be on time, so they will kill someone if <laughs> if they're in the way. Okay. So so this is one step. So you do, you need to do this uh, careful risk assessment. But then you get to more subtle things and we can connect to what you were saying about, mm -hmm. about manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you talk about the digital nudging, right? So we are being nudged all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, but sometimes we can nudge people for good. Yeah. So, so let, me, let me put real, real, real dilemmas that, that may happen in FinTech and education. Let's say that the system predicts you will do something that is not good for you. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's say you are doing a stupid thing with your money. Yeah. So the question is, should the system basically impact your autonomy of deciding whatever stupid thing you want to do? Or it should tell, should warn you, Yeah. Uh, don't do it because of this. And this is a real dilemma for, for, for responsible companies because they want, they want to help people but at the same time, they, they don't want to be paternalistic and, and, mm -hmm. and, and basically tell what, what you need to do. Yeah. So, so the, here is a real spectrum. In which line of, of how much I need to tell you that you shouldn't do? Yes. And this is hard. And, and then we are helping companies on, on making those decisions. But the best way to do that is not telling them how to do it also. Mm -hmm. Because then we will have the same problem again. Is to tell them what are the right questions. Yep. And what are the right, like, um, uh, common sense, which is, not, which in Spanish we say it's not the most common of the senses. <laughs> That's a good saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is, yeah, this is what are the questions, and, and mm. sometimes when you ask the, the question, they see something that they haven't seen before. Yeah. And then they can they can try to find the right uh, spot. Okay. Is, or the manipulation, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's 
it's funny that you kind of have to stop yourself from giving a correct answer, right, to stipulating what they should do and giving them the tools to try and work it out. You know, that's a circumstance. Um, but I think I think we need to distinguish between yeah. the technical side yes, yeah. and the ethics side. So yeah. in the technical side, I don't have any problem giving them the right tools. So you should use this, 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 uh, or explore these three platforms and then choose the best. Yeah. That's okay. The problem is when you are interfering in, on their decision process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is different because if they already decided to do something, then okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will help them them to do that. Yeah. The problem is when they are deciding what to do. Yeah. And there, I think uh, you need to be more careful about respecting the the autonomy yeah. of the people. But it's not just the autonomy of the people; it's autonomy of the companies. People. Yes. Yes. Of course. It's, yeah. We're talking yeah. about the, the company there. Yeah. 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 Because um, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of the stuff that I do is mostly concerned with stakeholders and one of those stakeholders is whoever the, the direct user is yes and that could be internal it could be an internal piece of tooling it could be a, a you know speech um speaker or it could be a um some sort of um loan application process you know it could be all sorts of things um but also the stakeholders are the internal people making it and your manager probably and maybe you have you know external people who are asking you to, to make certain things because you're a services company or something so you have all these people that you have to satisfy these things for including your shareholders mm -hmm. yes. you know and you, it, it, I think it, it's kind of difficult to juggle those, those decisions sometimes so almost it might be easier to come in and go and tell them that you know they should be doing this instead of that um, for 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 us, I don't think so. But for yeah. them, maybe. Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because then they can they, they can say that someone else told them to do yes. that and that they are not accountable. Yeah. So so this is one way to, but we don't want to do that also because of this, that reason because we we share the responsibility there. Yeah. And we have to share it, and and they need to be aware, as I said before, aware of what they are doing, and also they if if you don't. Uh, ask yourself this question, you don't learn. So if I tell you exactly what to do, mm -hmm. you may miss some important concept behind that and you don't learn it. So sometimes, yeah. for example, it was very interesting because I said something in, in one of these uh, sessions, I said something that for me was common sense, like, like for example, something like transparency without autonomy uh, doesn't work. Right? right? Yeah. So if, if you don't have autonomy, it doesn't matter if you know everything. <laughs> And then I said, "Oh, this is interesting. Do you have more like that? Yeah. Like, like what are these, these, uh, these, uh, these like uh, very small like uh, rules? Yeah. That will help your thinking. Yeah. And for me, it's obvious, but maybe for many people, it's not obvious. Yeah. That's interesting. And 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 that was interesting because they said they said, can you have more of these rules? And I said, which rule? Well, just what you said, oh, for me, it's not a rule. It's just uh, common sense. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 But you can have like, uh, and I'm thinking now that." You can write many of those, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe for many people it will be interesting because, in some sense, when you do that, you are putting the principles in action. Yes, what yeah, you are yeah. saying. Yes, yeah. How yeah. you make it practical? How do you do that? Yes, I guess uh, the the, stick, the stickling point for us is always trustworthiness. It's like trustworthiness doesn't really exist without things to be 
trusting in, you know, what, what is behind, what's instrumental to that trust. You know, are you trusting that blindly or have they demonstrated something that you can then... Um, well, don't my case, I told you, I don't believe in trust because it's humanizing the tools. No, 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 but you're trusting in the company at this in point. In the company, right? ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, okay. you know, you're saying that, you know, we trust my product because it does X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they don't demonstrate X, Y, and Z, how can you possibly trust it? So trust in yourself, yes. So you're, yeah, so you're, so you're going to trust that, but you can't do it blindly. You know, you have to demonstrate trust. You have to... Um, you know, try not to break trust. You know, there's these sorts of things. Trustworthiness in its in and of itself doesn't really help. Yeah, and it's so easy to, to break trust. You need uh, well, just one mistake. Yes, exactly. So, so, yes. <laughs> Which you, we've seen a lot of, right? Yeah, but, but, the, but this is what is reality. Like, uh, trust is, for example, within people. Mm -hmm. You just need one mistake and you your trust is gone. Mm -hmm. Trust is one of the few things I feel is almost like binary. Can you do half trust? Uh, I think I think <laughs> I don't know. I think I think my trust is contextual, so I can trust my friend that they will always yeah, but, turn up. Yeah, but, but they might be late. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm saying, can you do like trust someone in fifty percent? For me, it's much harder to do that. Probabilistic trust. Yes, probabilistic yeah, trust. Yeah. I think I think that doesn't make much sense. So you yeah. trust or you don't. Okay. But but in the middle doesn't make any sense because yeah. it's almost like not not trusting. Yes, you're sort of trust. Yes. So so this is some trust. Yeah. Most human things are, are not binary, but this one is very close to binary. Yeah. Uh, what the what is the level of trust do you have for me right now? <laughs> uh, I haven't evaluated that. I, I don't know you enough. Okay, a, a seven, <laughs> whatever that means. Depends. Uh, I can put the scale now. One thousand. One thousand. Wow. Okay. Cool. No, no. There's the scale of the seven from zero to one thousand. Oh, okay, that's good. That's um, terrible. I need to work on that. Then. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, you were thinking in ten, right? I was thinking um, in seven. <laughs> okay. In many, in some countries, seven is the maximum. Like, oh, really? Great. Yes. Yeah, in stars in, or something, because it's. Or no, it's the maximum grade. You from, the, for example, in Chile, it's from one to seven. Oh, really? So that's important about the scales. Uh, if you don't know the the reference no, value, no, no. you may have may make a mistake. Yeah, That's yeah. a problem with bias too. Yeah. That many times you don't know the reference well, you, value. You won't look for it if you don't, you know, have any idea that that's a a, a different thing, a changed thing. Well, you you can know the direction that you have to yeah. go, right? But not the, the final value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, An interesting part of this responsibility, I view that connects everything is, is when you need to to audit software. And the audit is not only technical, but it's also social. Because one thing is that you show that, uh, for example, that the software doesn't discriminate women, for example. But the different thing is the perception of women using the software. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the perception is still that they feel discriminated and then you need to understand why. And maybe that means uh, changing the interface, mm -hmm. changing something that, that makes them believe that they are being discriminated, although you can prove technically that's not the case. Yes, yeah. And the other important thing there, and, and, and this will be a principle that I push in the ACM uh, US uh, policy team, where I belong now, yeah. is to, to, to have the, like, uh, the basic principle of 
legitimacy and competence. So you need to do the risk analysis to make that tool legitimate. Mm -hmm. And you need to have the right competences to make it. For example, not only technical, mm -hmm. not only the domain expertise, but also did you have the right to take the decision? Because in many problems that we have, uh, like for example the you know the collapse of the Netherlands government last year because of these uh, subsidies for childcare, maybe there was an enge one engineer deciding to look for fraud in poor people, which is not ethical. But the, he didn't have the right to take the decision. And then you trickle down to a whole government falling because someone took the, the decision that was not entitled to take. Yeah. And why I want to mention the audits and legitimacy, because when you audit something, you are legitimizing the existence of that. And in many cases, you should say, no, I will not do an audit because this tool shouldn't exist, because it's not ethical. Okay. And, and, and suddenly, some technical people doesn't understand that, and they audit things. For example, they can show that, for example, there was no discrimination for women, mm -hmm. but they forgot that the system was using, for example, kind of uh, images to decide that the person was uh, a good person, right. which is uh, basically pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. so you have this, this, this uh, everything is interconnected and makes things more difficult. So before you even go through, so before you you consider auditing or helping a company with a particular thing, you might triage, let's say, the idea in its in its totality. Like, is this service uh, legitimate? Could it? Yes. Should it be there? Yes. Do you have any kind of um, heuristics for that, or um, ways of working to, to know what that is, or is that kind of more a human rights slash in, intuition sort of process? I would say this in between depends on the application. For example, in the, in the example I use, if it's pseudoscience, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, you really have a problem. Yep. And don't use pseudoscience, and, and then can we use it? Can you do it otherwise? And maybe the answer will be no. This if you don't have social mm. science, you cannot do it. So this is one case. In the case of discrimination, uh, you can do the risk assessment. Maybe they never did it because they didn't thought that the, 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 the harm was large. But then maybe when you charge the harm, you say, okay, these are like you are harming the poor people mm. and, and, and helping the rich people. So this is like a double harm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you should you should go and do the risk analysis and maybe you say like like vaccines vaccines save a lot of people mm -hmm. and very few have some side effects and like any drug also yeah but, but then you did the analysis and you did the, the studies that show that in other cases it's, it's pure human rights or, or avoiding stupidity yeah. uh, there are so many examples that are stupid that that, that shouldn't exist but for example uh, even the UK when, when during COVID they predicted the scores to enter the university, that was quite stupid, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so they, they did the risk analysis? I don't think so. Because they were never expected the drawback from people. And, and for anyone that has some experience on this, we know that historical data has many biases, especially in a country that has biases. Mm -hmm. so, so these are the things that sometimes I think is just common sense. Sometimes it's human rights, for example, like uh, if you go to military applications, I prefer not to think there, right, right, because right. I'm, I'm sure that they already exist, yes. and we cannot do anything about that. 
but maybe, maybe. maybe. Well, well, there's people right now. There's a meeting on, on the United Nations, uh, uh, trying to stop, for example, AI in in, in, in weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I take, I try to take the stance that it's better helping from the inside than standing on the outside. So. Um, you know, if I was invited to go talk at those sorts of uh, things, I, I'd be more than welcome to turn up and, and tell them uh, what I thought. Um, because then hopefully we can drive things in a direction which is ideally yeah. more beneficial, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, in that sense, I'm with you, but, mm -hmm. but I still feel that sometimes we are a bit naive mm -hmm. in the sense that we think we can change the system that has other incentives another um, focus of power and that um, don't want to be changed. Mm. So I would, if, you, if you look at history many times, the only way to change things was to do the opposite. So just looking at history. Right. Like, uh, for example, monarchies didn't change because they wanted to change. You had the French Revolution <laughs> to change that. Yeah, uh, didn't change it everywhere, but but they, at least now they don't have uh, absolute power. You see? Yeah. and there are many examples like that. Uh, the Arab Spring, even what happened in Easter Island, if you know other history, mm. like about two classes of people, and then finally uh, one classes, one class that was dominant it doesn't exist any longer. So I think history tells us that if we get to extreme, the only way to change the system is from the outside, and we don't want that. Yeah. So how we avoid that, and, and we avoid that listening, and, but sometimes people don't listen. Mm -hmm. And we are electing leaders that we shouldn't elect <laughs> everywhere in the world. Yeah, um, I think that's like a uh, a wider problem for yeah, different. We are not talking about politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> I think that would take us uh, into maybe three hours. Um, you, you think we can do only that? <laughs> I think we'll solve it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what what about the here and now is um, both really exciting you at the moment within AI AI ethics and what is uh, really scaring you in this area as well? Yeah, so, uh, so exciting is, I think, is uh, that I see more and more people that try to uh, to understand the limitations of AI and put them in the right context. Things like, uh, like data is a proxy for reality, data doesn't capture everything, data doesn't capture the context that there are many things that are not ethical and which you, you shouldn't do or, or which you which should study, study more like you do in medicine or, or, or drugs to, to understand what will be the impact. Uh, so I think this is interesting to see that movement of people fighting the arrogancy and the full, I think, the fullness, foolishness of some other people because I don't think that's smart. Like going uh, pushing like for AGI or people saying that the things are sentient or or sure. or even that they're conscious. So very very smart people between quotes have said that already. Now what I, what scares me is exactly the opposite. Is having very good technical people that don't have any, don't have too much emotional intelligence and they're seeing things that. Uh, for example, I think it was in the economies, uh, very senior Google fellow 
that you see steps to, to consciousness in, in language models. And language models don't understand what they, they read and they don't understand what they, they write. Mm. So, so this is like, I don't know, it's wishful thinking. Uh, I don't know exactly what's the difference between the human brain, what is, what is, about, what is real about consciousness. Uh, even, not even neuroscientists know what is consciousness. Mm -hmm. and, and we will try to decide if, if, if machines can be conscious or not. We can use a different word, but that's better. But some, we keep humanizing things. And then the result could be, even if it's, it's possible, uh, what we talked at the beginning, like, mm -hmm. like AGI could be really like uh, uh, the, the end of us. And I don't want that. Uh, although I'm not scared about that because I, I'm a skeptic, so that will not happen. Yeah. But, I, but I'm thinking that if we don't take the right balance, we may, we may uh, enter another winter because people was pushing too much uh, just advanced statistics. So deep learning is very advanced statistics with a lot of data, a lot of hardware, but nothing else. So I think we need to to include reasoning, semantics. We need to do more like the old expert systems with the new systems. Mm. We need to do some kind of hybrid solution that will be better than both works. Um, it's not bad. <laughs> Uh, I think sometimes people are almost allergic to semantic or expert systems, those sorts of systems, talking about it, because they're like, well, maybe if I talk about it, people won't think I'm cool and doing the new stuff. And uh, I like the fact that you've, you're kind of like making this, uh, you know, taking what's good from the old and, and exactly. putting with, you know, what's good from the new. Taking the, 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 the best of everything to do something better. Yeah. And in some sense, if you read what uh, some uh, very influential people have said recently, like Andrew and, and, and G said, I mean, this year we need to unbegin AI uh, because most of the problems have small data, so mm. we don't have deep data. Uh, we can use deep learning for our problems. And I wrote uh, a blog uh, in 2018 about that, but it's good that he uh, said it because uh, a lot of people listen to him. We have this recent essay by Jan Lecun, which is uh, saying this is the way to go and at least acknowledge some of the limitations of the current technology. Because sometimes you have even very famous people saying that, that deep learning will do everything. Mm. And, and I don't believe in that. So that's, that's really a very narrow view of AI. Yeah. And also everything could be you know, AGI or it could be just a very specific job that we need to do that we, you know, with cancer research. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, the whole of AI. You know, we can make something useful which solves a very useful thing that we need solving. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be the panacea, you know. Yeah, we can, we can go case by case solving yeah. the problems of, of humankind, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's a really joy to, to chat. Uh, how can people find you, follow you, all that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, well, my my, uh, my website is very easy to find if if you search my name and and, and there is my email. Mm -hmm. uh, and also people can follow me in Twitter. Uh, I, I had like kind of anonymous handle at the beginning, but now you, if you search my name in Twitter, you find it. But it's uh, uh, at Polar Bear by 
and people don't realize that uh, the last three letters R B Y are my my initials. Ah, nice. Uh, cool, great. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you next time. Thank you, Ben. I enjoyed. Hi, and welcome to the end of the podcast. Thanks again for listening. It was a real pleasure talking to Ricardo, and thanks again for spending time with us in your visit to the UK. I found the ideas around trust and binary notions of trust really interesting, and I think we could dig in there in a further episode. And the idea of people's own belief in the harms, or maybe that harms don't necessarily exist, or that they are being uh, discriminated against, is hard to disclose, it's hard to see. And uh, better design around that can can actually help people have a better appreciation, you know, for what the technology is doing. Um, maybe they need to be educated about the technology they're using, or maybe they just need more information, more explicit, maybe more transparency to make that uh, better situation. You know, when things go wrong, is it you? Is it the tech? What is it? What's going on? Please check out more episodes like this at machine-ethics.net, and if you can, support us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash machine ethics and thanks for listening